the south home and we glad you here today huh? welcome to south home and we glad you here today what's going on shitheads welcome into the new series on the south armor podcast feed highly detailed This podcast is going to be different than you're used to. One, in the fact that it's a solo podcast, which I do by myself. Not something I'm used to doing. And this offseason, I want to get more comfortable doing things in which I'm uncomfortable. And secondly, in the content in which you consume. I'm going to start this one off uh, with the discussion of failure. And I think that the word failure as a whole has a pretty bad connotation, right? You hear you failed the test. You failed your parents. You failed your league. You failed. Fail, failing is not something that people want to do and it does not have a good connotation for it. If you fail, you did something bad. You fucked up, right? And yes, that's true. Failure is, um, you know, not a good thing. But I, I think if you look at it as a whole from the outside, from the beginning, go back, go back to the beginning of the time for you yourself, right? Every person when they come into this world as a baby, all they're going to do is fail over and over and over again, right? Whether that's learning to talk, learning to walk, learning to crawl, everything from the beginning of time for you as a person, for mankind as people, we've all failed. And stacking up those failures is eventually what turns us into getting successes. You eventually learn to walk. You eventually learn to talk. You eventually learn to joke, right? You eventually learn to do all kinds of things some that you end up being good at, some that you succeed in long term, and some they're just learning to improve as a person. And I think the reality of that is that's not just you. That's people in general. Right now, just go ahead real quickly. Visualize somebody that you've looked up to. You know, you've, you're an idol that you had before, someone you adored, whatever. Visualize that person. And as you do that, understand that they've also been a failure. Day two started not being able to talk, not being able to walk, all this stuff. And they eventually got to where they're at, all their successes, because of stacked up failures. Now, and the point of this is not to act as though you should be super excited about failing and always celebrate failure, right? That's not the point of this podcast. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that in life, all you should look to do is fail. The reality is there is a lot of growth and importance that comes from failure. Um, So now I'm going to go ahead and kind of walk through from my own perspective and give you guys, be transparent with you about some failures for myself, use past and current examples of failure and why it's important and how that all, you know, obviously focuses back to dynasty and how you can apply it there. So going back several years, I mean, as I'm getting older now, I've got a lot of gray in the the beard. Many years ago, I used to play uh, basketball and I played basketball all growing up was pretty much my entire life. Really all that I cared about. Any th- any decision I made by and large, any time in high school, for the most part in college was based around basketball. Me going to college, the reality of that was I went to go play basketball and school was something that came along with it. Right or wrong at the time, that that's where it was. So when I was growing up playing basketball and it, whether that was in high school, college prior, It was very easy, and I think this is something that you can think about in Dynasty and in life in general. It's easy, or people tend to want to work on things that you're already good at, right? So if you were a good shooter, for example, yeah, of course, you're going to want to go keep shooting because you you tend to do well at that, right? For myself, I was not always the greatest shooter from the outside, but I was very good at getting to the basket and scoring around the rim. And a lot of the crafty type shots... used to keep wanting to work on that, in particular with my right hand. But you know what's not as fun is working on things that you suck at or that you're weak at. Nobody wants to sit there and do over and over again the things that they're they're not excelling at, right? Me sitting there and trying to just dribble with my left hand all day was not fun. It was not something I enjoyed doing and didn't really want to do. Now, there were certain times with coaches or situations, drills, where you had to do those things. But the reality is when you're working on your game, one on just you, nobody else, yourself, people tend to work on the things that they're good at or continue to try to boost their strengths and don't want to address their weaknesses as much, let alone even acknowledging their weaknesses. So the reason I'm going to bring this up is I want to go back and give you a real life example. So in my freshman year, 
I went to Wheeling Jesuit and the coach that I signed for actually at the time, he had got an opportunity to go coach in the NBA. So how could you, how could you hate on him for that? Leaves Wheeling Jesuit university to go be an assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers. His primary job working for them was basically working with Roy Hibbert. And you know, back then the big man was a lot more involved and they were really trying to develop Roy Hibbert coming out to Georgetown and making him the big thing, a big part of their game. So that was his primary role. And the coach that he actually uh, went to coach for, with there, uh, O'Brien, he was a coach that was prior at Wheeling Jesuit a long time ago. Anyway, I get there. The coach that I wanted to sign for and play for wasn't there. New coach comes in, and the cards are what they are, right? So I'm playing for Coach Sancombe. Coach DeFruzio is now with the Indiana Pacers. So my freshman year, the coach that I wanted to play for or had some rapport with wasn't there. And the reality was the coach Sancom and I didn't really get along all that well. Um, and there was a guy in front of me that year. He was a fifth year senior, Rusty Wooten. Russ and I were very good friends. We got along great off the court, but his veteranness was, in my opinion, a lot of the reason why he was playing ahead of me. And I was coming into a situation where I'm new to this entire environment. And coming off the bench, I only played 19 minutes a game, but I got a lot of chances to show what I could do. And I ended up scoring 11 points per game in those 19 minutes, which on a per minute average was one of the best in the conference. I made the all-conference freshman team. And all year felt like I was constantly, because I never started, brought off the bench, all this and that. felt like I was constantly having to prove to Sancombe that I was better than he believed that I was right? And it was this little game we had kind of, it felt like where we were at odds with each other going into sophomore year. So into the summer, we're getting ready to go home. (laughs) They give us a packet, a packet, an individualized packet with your strengths and weaknesses. Now, you know, with this context, you could imagine how (laughs) the weaknesses on my chart were far longer than the strengths. And I had 15 weaknesses and eight strengths on this pack. The strengths were, you know, some things that everyone at the time would agree that my game offered, but all the weaknesses, I'm like, man, this guy still is hating on me. Like, doesn't matter what I do. He's always going to be a hater. The reality was as a 19 year old kid, I was incapable of internalizing, looking and being like, man, yeah, all of these weaknesses, these are things that I should be trying to improve on in areas of my game that I wasn't the strongest. Me being defensive, like, oh, no, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. I'm, I can, I can move my feet. I'm a, I'm a pretty good defender, right? I can get up and block shots. I can, I can play with my left hand. It's not my strongest thing, but I can play with it. I can score with it if I need to. I was trying to act like he did not give me any props when the reality was those were all things that I should have been working on in my game already. So, you know, because I'm thinking this is just him and I at odds ends going in that whole summer, (laughs) these are not things that I ended up working on very hard. If at all in the case was, I, I felt that I proved myself playing basketball in this situation as a young kid coming off the bench and doing very well every time I had most, most of the time had a chance to do so a little inconsistent, but overall played very well. So coming into sophomore year, right? I did not put myself in the situation to really address the weaknesses and make myself better as a player. All of this thinking I'm spiting the coach. The reality was I was spiting myself and I wasn't able to be real about the fact that I did have weaknesses in my games in dynasty, especially, right? Everybody plays the game differently. One of the things I've learned by playing so many leagues, so many different situations and different players is that there's a lot of approaches that people take. Now, by and large, generically, you may see a lot of similarities from, you know, this player, that player. But when you start to play with multiple people, you start to see that there is tons of different ways to play this game. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. When people play this way, There's going to be strengths that you have, and there's going to be weaknesses that you have. Are you being real about what kind of weaknesses you have in your game or things that you don't do as well as a dynasty manager, right? Identifying your strengths and your weaknesses. What are some things that you failed at? So it's being open and honest about the failure and the weaknesses that you have. So here's the way I look at it. Shitheads, think about it this way, okay? In order to benefit from failure, if you're really going to do this, and I'm going to go through both scenarios, you know, past and present and in the dynasty landscape about failure for myself and how I've been able to identify it, address it and figure out what I'm going to do moving forward. So in order to actually benefit from failure, I think it's really important to identify 
these six things. One, what was my failure, right? You, you can't start if you don't know what your failure was. The reality is before you get to this point, there's probably going to be, like it's likely going to be some denial from you, for myself even. I can see, I can tell you during this season even, there were some things that when I look back at it in hindsight are clear during the season, I was probably in denial about these things or didn't actually give enough attention to say, ah, oh, man, I'm, I'm not doing a good enough job at this. This is a weakness of mine. So identifying what the failure is, is the first thing. Second thing is why did I fail or why was this a failure for me? The third thing is now what caused this failure? So you've identified what the failure is. You now say, why did I fail? But then what caused this failure? Why did I fail? And then what caused the failure? Because the next things are going to be very critical. Once you've been able to establish the root cause of why you failed, why did I fail? What caused it? Now you, when you have those causes, the reasons you failed, what did I learn after identifying these causes? Like what can these causes that caused me to fail? What can I learn from that? What did I learn from that? What by just thinking and talking these out, putting them on paper, can I learn from? Like, what did I know? What, what can I know now that I didn't know before? And um, then did this failure have to happen for you to understand what you learned, right? So basically, is this something that's a repeatable, a repeated offense for you? Did, have you already seen yourself fail like this before? Is this something that happened recently? This failure that you just experienced, is this something that you had to go through to learn from it? Because if the answer to that is yes, you're, you already have a success right there. You've learned something from the failure. And then obviously the last and final point is now that you have all those things. How do I correct this failure moving forward? How do I turn this failure and stack it into a win or build it towards closer to winning in the future? These are the things that I think are establishing a baseline with failure that often it's easy to just simply say, oh, I lost or this happened, that happened, and just kind of put it under the rug. Now think about it. So these are going to be the baseline steps, I think, for actually learning and understanding your failure and turning it into success. And with this episode being called Transparent Failure, here, here comes some transparency from ATM, from Adam. Failure. So I was in 31 fantasy leagues this year, 28 of which were dynasty. Okay, so three redraft leagues. Of those 28 dynasty leagues, I was rebuilding from the beginning in 10 of them. Okay. So from the beginning of the season, I knew I was locked in to rebuilding. There was no way if ands or buts, unless something changed drastically during the course of that season that I was going to pivot into a contender. Those 10 were already kind of decided for me. Um, so you take that now you're down to 18 leagues. Okay. So after I have these 18 that are trying to contend, Six of them missed the playoffs. So, of course, these six teams that missed the playoffs, one was an eight seed. Um, all the others were seven seeds. So you want to talk about getting stuck in the middle, something that we talk about often here, Mike and I do anyway, not getting stuck in the middle. I mean, there's six examples of absolutely getting stuck in the middle. So, no, But anyway, now we're down to 12 teams, okay? 12 of the teams make the playoffs of the 28. At this point still, Realistically, like not the most ideal given what I was trying to do, but not that bad, right? And I think this is why addressing and, and seeking out weaknesses or flaws and failure, ultimately, you have to really go dig a little beneath the surface. Because if you just say 12 teams made the playoffs of 28, you were only trying to contend in 18, six missed the playoffs, they barely missed. You, you could tell yourself a story, right? That says, oh, that's not that bad. Like, you know, variance, this, that, and the other. I do still strongly believe in variance, but let's, let's keep going. 12 playoff teams. Okay. Now of those 12 playoff teams, six of them lose in week 15. So the first round of the playoffs. All right. So now going into the semis, I have six teams left. So I had three teams which got wins in week one, the first week of the playoffs, the other three already had buys. So I have six teams now left in the semifinals. I have all eliminated but one. So I'm down now to one team going into the finals. I ended up playing Mike in that finals and won 
But the reality is when you look back and think about this, 28 dynasty leagues, one team made the finals, only one victory. So let's just start here. And like, like I said, again, I really do believe very strongly in variance in both best ball and lineup in dynasty leagues. But the reality is the one title in 28 leagues absolutely is a fail. What is the failure? Failure. I just made it pretty clear one title in 28 leagues. That's the failure. Okay. Now why? I could give a lot of reasons for why as I look specifically across leagues, but the reality and theme across my leagues, when I say, why did I fail? By and large, it's going to be not being active enough across my 28 leagues. Not something that's easy for me to go back and look at and address and say, yeah, that, that was really part of the reason why I didn't do as well in certain leagues. That's the truth, though. When I look at it, that's why I failed. Now, what caused this failure? I think here it's dangerous, shitheads, if you really are going to play this game. Because this is an important part is distinguishing this, right? Distinguishing why or what caused this failure is key, but you have to make sure not to play this game with yourself where you're using this as an excuse list or making excuses and justifying, but you, it's important to make sure you get these causes out and I address them and identify them at minimum. So distinguishing them is the key. And for me, there's a lot of different reasons, but um, and I'm not trying to give you a whole lot of this list to make excuses. I'm trying to actually be transparent and tell you why I failed, go through this and, and give you an idea and highlight for yourself how you can do the same, not necessarily in this specific example, but for yourself in your dynasty situation, the way you play the game and approach it. So for me, there was tons of changes in my life and circumstances this year that some I saw coming, didn't really understand how much time they would take as well as some I did not see coming. So first and foremost, being a dad obviously um, is going to take time. And this was the first time at being a dad where my wife went back to work full time. I had to be a lot more involved in, in different day-to-day stuff with my daughter being available if you know she needed picked up from the daycare situation we have and to transport back and forth and a lot of different things that took a lot more time than I was truthfully anticipating. There was also for myself, like I had to address loss, a loss for us that, uh, took place prior to the season. Um, but I'd kind of been avoiding dealing with it. And so that, that was something that had to take place during the season. As you, as you know, we're, we're really pushing and trying to grow South Harmon. And we really believe this Mike, myself, the team we're forming here with Fizzle, Eric, Christian, list goes on and on T-Rock writing articles we really believe strongly in this and Mike and I both have been really continuing to pursue being a dynasty creator. And we want to do this. This is something we want to do is the full-time role. So for myself, a situation where the job that I had for 12 years ended up not doing that right up before the season ended up parting ways there. Not something I anticipated at all in the slightest. I thought I'd be working for Buckeye for the rest of my life. I shouldn't say that until retirement, whatever that looked like. So probably the rest of my life. (laughs) But um, as I started to then not work there and try to push the envelope of being a full-time creator, when you do that, it starts changing the dynamic a little bit about the way you approach it. I was trying to um, really push the limits on getting us uh, growing South Harmon. Some of them were good. Some of them weren't. I began to kind of hyper-focus on improving things. And uh, this off season and this season, I really became extremely hyper-focused on production quality as a whole and trying to also be available as much as possible in season uh, for patron questions, lineup decisions, different things to help them with their teams, DMs coming in left and right. Didn't get team reviews as much as I wanted to, but um, I also at times, truthfully, (laughs) this is kind of crazy to admit and be real about, but I put creating content as well as other people's teams ahead of my freaking home. And that is something that I have to also take a look at. But those, those things, as far as being a dynasty creator and trying to push the limits, not something that I saw taking up as much or focus uh, of my own and as much time as it did. Initially, what for myself was trying to save fab and talking all the time about wanting to have the hammer at the end. I used that as something early in the year to, which ended up forming a really bad habit, which was very hard to undo. Okay. So now when you 
start to identify what caused the failure. Okay. Now we get into four. What have you learned after identifying these causes? And I think when I look at them, um, there's some things that are very clear and easy to see based on the causes and some things that when you look hindsight 2020, they make itself a lot more clear in our bigger learning realities. So the first thing for me that I learned was that I, I simply overextended myself um, in leagues, given the changes in circumstances, some of which I saw or should have seen coming, some I should not have and were just things that changed during the course of the season. In 2021, when Mike and I really started scaling up leagues, I had reservations about getting into too many of them. So, right, that's after the 21 season going into the 22 season. I had reservations about getting into too many leagues. I mean, I ultimately, I ended up only turning down a couple leagues that offseason. Um, overall, I was able to handle most of my leagues pretty well that year. So, when I look back with that concern that I had, I didn't really see myself as problematic, and I don't think I was much in the 22 season. Uh, maybe in a handful of spots, but nothing that was glaringly obvious. And I was in 17 to 18 leagues um, in the 22 season. So when I was coming into this year, I'm like, okay, well, you know, that wasn't really that big of a deal. Like when I scaled up leagues, I was fine. I was able to handle it. And also I think I was still enjoying it. And as we get into some of the other things that became more clear as I jumped from that number higher. So the second thing for me, then I, I overextended myself. That's the first. The second thing is going to be by trying to save the fab, let me get into the details of what I was meaning by that. By trying to save fab, there was actually weeks, which as the wire was coming up, in numerous leagues, I ended up ignoring the waiver wire as a whole, right? Because I'm not going to spend any fab money. So I tell myself, all right, I'm just for these for this week and these whatever, 18, 20 leagues, I'm not going to uh, do anything on the waiver wire. As I look hindsight again, they say it takes 30 days to form a habit. And if three weeks happen where I don't address the waiver wire, three to four weeks right in there, I'm right around that 30 day mark, especially at four weeks where I've now formed a really bad habit of not looking at the wire or not addressing the wire in this league. And it turned into something where at now midway through the year, this was a really bad habit and hard one to break. So Tuesday night, you know, waivers would roll around, they'd come and go. I'd be making thumbnails, holograms, whatever, doing content. And while I was in the midst of that, I'd see on my phone, waivers cleared in all these leagues. And I'm thinking, oh shit, not again. Like I actually, in certain leagues, what I thought was going to be implementing a fab, um, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to basically make myself ration fab and not use it at all by not looking at it as a whole. It became a bad habit of not getting the waiver wire done all the way through in certain leagues. The next thing I learned is that this is kind of more of a broader reality of life, uh, dynasties included in this. So, but I, I needed to make sure, and I need to make sure moving forward that I allot enough time for myself. And and what I mean by that is, even if it's only an hour here or there, I need to have some time for myself, which isn't related to work. Uh, so it's not really work related or maybe even fantasy related at times because it can be convoluted the work that I'm doing with fantasy and the fun that I'm having there. Right. So giving myself a little bit of like me time in essence and having a balance is important. A lot of times I'll be so focused on what I'm trying to do with fantasy or work in some other capacity that I will not save enough time just to sit back, decompress, relax. And I think being realistic about that is something that I had to have a conversation, not even a conversation, but just be real about with myself. Right. So I need a lot of time to be, honestly, a little bit selfish, like focus on my teams, actually implement the grind, which I know is extremely important. And I stress constantly while making content, but because I'm putting too many other things at the forefront, I allowed this to get on the back burner and, and the only person that hurts is myself. So the next thing I think is that all of those being there, I essentially was able to find uncover, but would not have actually known until this situation happened. And the reality of that is by being, uh, by being overextended this year, it really highlighted for me anyway, like what I actually enjoy about the game of dynasty. Not that I don't enjoy a lot of different aspects and love playing a lot of different leagues, but what specifically I enjoy and what in particular I believe separates me from a lot of other uh, players that are in, in dynasty. What separates me from other dynasty players? 
I've always really enjoyed like the microdynamics of leagues. If you if you listen to our content, you probably hear me talk about you know, quarterback hoarding, different strategies when trying to play up the psychology of other league mates in your leagues or managers in your league. This doesn't mean that I don't love being in a lot of different leagues or a ton of different leagues. Because honestly, I do. I love having different builds. I love having different scenarios of teams. I love having to play against a lot of different managers and learning a lot of the strategies they implement or ways that I need to try to counter what they're doing. Like I love being in all these different leagues and I really do. But for myself, what I was able to see is the way I play the game. As I approached 30 leagues this year, it became pretty increasingly clear that it was more difficult to really play up the micro dynamics of each manager across that many leagues, right? So in 17, 18 versus almost 30, I was able to, on that 17, 18 leagues that I was in in the 22 season, still play up a lot of the micro dynamics. Maybe not as much as I would have been able to if I was in, let's say, five or 10 leagues. But at that number, I was still able to, like by and large, still implement a lot of micro dynamics. When you get closer to the 30 for me, anyway, I was finding that basically as I reflect, I was able to look at, I was, I was having to play more of a portfolio strategy across the majority of my leagues. And it was not as easy to go through and look, okay, in this league specifically, what is the team situation for this guy that's trying to trade with me? Guy or gal, right? What's his team situation? What does he need? What does my team look like? Doing that across this many leagues for me anyway, became a lot harder to implement the micro dynamics, which kind of lent me down the path of doing more and more of just the portfolio approach. Not that there's not good things there, but for me, essentially, I subconsciously started focusing in on a smaller number of leagues and playing this micro dynamics into those smaller number. While I don't really like to admit this, but the reality was that in essence, turned me a little more negligent to certain a, a large number of leagues that I wasn't focusing there, right? So I was doing some portfolio stuff, but I wasn't going in there daily and looking on some of these leagues. Okay, what do I need in this team? Because I was playing more of the portfolio approach there, I was kind of just letting things take care of themselves as they would come to me, as opposed to being proactive and going to seek things out in those leagues. And I became a little more hyper-focused using that word again, because I found this out about myself this year. I was hyper-focused on certain leagues this year and played the microdynamics of those and a lot of the other leagues, I was essentially more negligent and let them be where they finished, right? Right in the middle. (laughs) Shouldn't be any shocker when you start really kind of thinking and doing the math on this in my head. So those were, for me, the things that I really highlighted and learned going back and looking at the 2023 season. Now, did this failure have to happen for me to learn what I learned? What I just went over, what I learned, what you learned through the failure, did it have to happen this way for you to learn that thing? So here's the way I would look at this, being completely transparent and open and honest about it. While I definitely was cognizant, like I I knew that there was a reason that I didn't want to overextend myself a couple years ago when I was little hesitant about getting into as many leagues as I did. The reality though, is I didn't really understand, or I don't think I would have understood the deeper levels as to why I was so hesitant. Obviously, when you start to get into more and more leagues, part of the hesitation is just being able to manage that many leagues, or is it going to be fun to manage that many leagues? But when I asked that question, I think the answer is yes, because this scenario had to happen this way for me to really be able to assess specifically what I'm drawn to, what allows me to enjoy this game of dynasty and what have I found success with? I think it's important to not just understand, um, your strengths and why you enjoy the game, but be able to acknowledge them. And once again, by doing that, you should be able to also acknowledge your weaknesses. And when you start to think, what are your strengths? Yes, you need to work on your weaknesses, but you also don't want to abandon your strengths. You want to make sure you're having fun. This game at the end of the day should be fun and it should be something that you are trying to win at. And in order to do that, you do have to try to play somewhat to your strengths. For me, yes, I believe this had to happen. Um, Although I don't like it happening. I definitely don't like winning one out of fucking 28 leagues. Do not like that at all. Losing to Mike, losing to Koopa, losing to probably people listening to this podcast. But it had to happen for me to actually see 
exactly why certain things for me are the joy of the game. Not that I don't need to work on other things. I absolutely do. But to really clearly define for me the way I play the game and why I enjoy the game. Number six, then the last thing I think is really important is obviously now you've got all those things out there. How, How do you correct this shit moving forward? Like, how do you actually turn now understanding all these things about failing this specific failure? How do you correct it moving forward so that failure doesn't repeat itself? Right. That, that's obviously the biggest thing is turning a failure into a positive thing and ultimately stacking those failures on top of each other to become successful successes for you down the road. I think the first thing I have to uh, admit and address is that I need to not allow something like what took place with the fab to creep in and become a bad habit. So like convincing myself that skipping the wire for a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks on some of these leagues was a strategy. That was me not being honest with myself up front, right? That was me just trying to find a way to carve out some time and not being honest about it. So I need to not allow those type of things to become a bad habit throughout the year, which then is really hard to overcome because once you're in a habit, it's hard to undo those things. So if you, you know, think about this as a, in a sports reference or you know, I'll, I'll use basketball because that's what I used to play. I told you that, right? You, you can't cheat the game. And cutting corners is only going to always end up hurting yourself. Uh, in basketball, let's say if you're doing conditioning or you're, you're in trouble, you're running, right? If you it, think of a suicide, now a suicide, a uh, quarter drill, you may know it as, but you're going to start on one baseline and you're going to run to the free throw line, back to the baseline. Then you're going to run to the half court line, back to the baseline. Then all the way down to the opposite end free throw line, back to the baseline, all the way to the following baseline. So full court all the way and then back finishing at the baseline. All right, so if you don't know what that drill is, that's what the drill is, Uh, a suicide drill. If you're doing those things, or even in other sports, you're doing some kind of a conditioning drill, if you're having to pivot and kind of cut different spots, and this is where the line is that you're supposed to get to, you hear all the time coaches stress, touch the line, touch the line. And while a lot of people, you know, as they're doing this, they're tired, they don't want to deal with a lot of the details, right? Being highly detailed is such a big key because the reason that they stress touch the line, and and although some people don't think it's a big deal, this is teaching yourself the importance of being highly detailed, forming really good habits and work ethic, and not cheating yourself ultimately. So yeah, you could say, all right, man, I I just ran this suicide. I, I barely missed the line there. I still ran the thing. Okay, but what did you do by not touching that line? Like why not just touch the line if you're there? Right? What why are you not doing that anyway if you're right there? I I just ran it. Well, then touch the line. The reality is it's part of being disciplined and learning some of the things that are going to form good habits, good work ethic, being highly detailed. That is one of the first things. Not allowing bad habits to creep in and become things where now I'm turning a something that I've convinced myself is a strategy that wasn't and now I have a bad habit that's going to have a you know, lasting effect across multiple leagues. So not allowing that to happen. <laughs> this part sucks. Looking back at this, I'll, I'll say, okay, I give advice and the advice I give and I gave all last year, I really believe was sound. And a lot of people's feedback was that it helped them win leagues. I look and Mike and I talked about a lot of the same thing. He, he had better success in certain leagues. Koopa had very good success this year. When I look back, I was not always practicing what I preached. Some of these times where I allowed some of these leagues to be a little more neglected. In hindsight, it's pretty clear. Now, in the moment, I didn't really see it. Or I may have, I may have even in the season denied, like, ah, I don't think so. It's just, you know, a couple of weeks not paying attention. But the reality was I did not do nearly enough in certain leagues. So this part, again, is, is I struggle with it the most because I'm a big proponent of practicing what you preach. Be about what you're going to do. Talk the talk, walk the walk. But when I look at this, I didn't practice what I preach across my league. So at least there I can say to myself, like, that sucks. I need to do a better job at practicing what I preach. And and while in years past, I may have done a better job at practicing what I preach, just like, you know, in sports, what have you done for me lately? This year, I did not practice what I preach. Whether I like it or not, it's something I have to correct. Now, how do I correct this? Okay. The first thing is I think not a ton. Like, this is not something that I enjoy putting out there, but 
there are going to be there's a reality i think i need to cut back just a small number of leagues i'm not talking anything crazy but i don't really want to orphan teams this is not something i've ever talked about wanting to do or that you should be doing Uh, but the reality is for me in order to get back to center where i'm enjoying it and i'm not just enjoying it but doing a disservice to the league by being inactive by you know not making as many moves and not really giving both a fair shake of myself and my team to the other people in the league like of course, everybody wants to beat me. I'm sure nobody's mad about beating me um, because I was inactive, but I'm not putting my best foot forward, and that's not really the best thing for the league, right? So I, there's whether I like it or not, I think I need to cut back a small amount of leagues. Um, so, okay, how, how, what does that look like? I think one in order to get to that, I got to do a better job of improving on the weakness in my game, right? So I talk about failure and also the weakness in my game. So things that were weaknesses for me. Like making sure the waiver wire is a really sound process starting week one next year is going to be of the utmost importance for me. Normally, that's something that's not a problem, but because this year happened, I need to do a better job making sure that's locked in from the beginning. Um, so even if I want to, let's say, even if my strategy is, yeah, I want to have the hammer at the end. Okay, that's fine. But like you can save every dollar you want to, but every single week, just put in zero dollar bids for the people that you know you should be targeting in these leagues. Make sure you're going through every league. Even if you're not putting in an actual dollar bid because you want to save your money, put in a $0 bid. And the crazy part is, in all these leagues, there are other people that will be asleep at the wheel or don't do it for one week or whatever the case may be. You'd be surprised how many times for a $0 bid, you'll end up getting a player you don't expect to get. So it's just it's something you should be doing weekly and forming that habit from the beginning. That's also going to be something later on. I don't want to take that uh, take this away from this podcast, but during the off season, we're going to go over some things, um, highlighting exactly the best ways to implement some of these in season type of things, you know, waiver wire, appropriating that across multiple leagues. We're going to kind of go through and show you how we do that. And it's best organized, um, via YouTube. So that'll be coming. But for me, I need to get back to making sure I'm locked in in all my leagues week one, where are they at? And having a very good sound process from the beginning. So I don't have a bad habit on that. That's the first thing. Second thing will be then, um, while I do enjoy the microdynamics, right? And and there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever your process is or what you enjoy, I don't think you should have any type of bad feeling about that. And understanding your weaknesses is the same thing. But just because I don't enjoy the portfolio as I put it into a huge number, like doesn't mean I don't need to get better at implementing a blend of both like that's the reality for me i need to have a better blend of the portfolio strategies which are you know there's so many different good portfolio strategies and the auto accept trade block is one that for me anyway this year helped a lot in certain leagues like hey this player by process should be going for a third anywhere there'd be times in a, in a microdynamic situation i'm like nah because i think i can get more than a third in this league but you still got to practice okay this player does not make sense to try to sell for more than that because the odds are you'll get stuck with that player and you'll receive nothing back when you should have just moved him simply for a third round pick, right? So a blend of the portfolio and the microdynamics for me is what I need to improve on moving forward. In order to do that, I'm going to do some startups this year, but I need to do less. I can't just go out here during startup season and just go willy nilly like I have in the past. I would love to, but in order to be, you know, responsible and make sure I'm doing this the correct way moving forward. Not as many. So I, I, I'm going to scale back some of the startups this year. Based on 22 and 23, I think the reality is when I look at it. So I was in 18, 17, 18 leagues, and then I was in 28 this year. I think the healthy number for me is going to be keeping it in that low 20s this year and making sure that I'm doing these things and holding myself accountable so that in that low 20s, I'm getting a good blend of still the portfolio and scaling up my leagues, but also not losing that feeling of having the microdynamics go down, man. I, I want to see, all right, Fizzle. I'm going to get over on Fizzle here. Like, what's his team look like? Or I'm in a league and I'm like, all right, I have a quarterback horde going in this league. Let me really look over the different teams, see what the situations are across all these teams and what I should really be charging for this quarterback if I'm about to start you know, offloading my first quarterback in a quarterback court. A lot of these type of microdynamics and going through every single detail of my league, it's been something that I've been able to implement. And I feel like I get the 
best bang for my buck doing so. So I want to make sure I'm still able to implement those things. And I think at that number, that low twenties is a healthy number for me to both, you know, address the things that I wasn't like being uncomfortable and doing the things that I didn't do well this year, working on my weaknesses, but also still being able to enjoy it, have a lot of fun and, and kind of exploit the things that I think I'm good at. And I mean, it's not fun talking about the things you failed at, the things I didn't do well last year, but being open, honest, transparent in my failure, this is where I'm at. And I think being honest, this is going to be the best formula for me moving forward. Now it's interesting that the timing of this is wild. And I went with partly, I went with the name, you know, transparent failure. And the reason is I, I was thinking about doing this anyway, but I saw a lot of discourse on X on Twitter about transparency. And I think I wanted to at least touch on this topic, um, as a creator, because it was a, a big point of, you know, if your creator or someone you're listening to or getting advice from, or is talking to you about dynasty, are they being transparent about what happened in their league? And it became kind of a back and forth for certain creators that they didn't like it. Some were like, yeah, I want to see all that. I, I think the reality is the transparency thing is huge. Like the creator or wherever you're listening to, if they're not being, tra- if they're not giving you whatever type of information you're looking for about them, that's obviously not getting to private levels, anything that they're talking about. Like wh- why can't you be transparent about that? One of the things Mike and I, I think when I look at it, try to do is we try to be probably overly transparent. Like we want to be clear and we highlight what we did wrong, what our failures were. We want to make sure that we're being not just transparent, but accountable with the things we did wrong, the fuck ups we made. And by and large, I think we do that. So I think that's a highlight of ours, something that we do more than the average creator. But I think this brings up a whole nother point about the transparency like I got into creating, I guess you'd call it that. I don't even know what else to call it, but creating, making pod, doing podcasts, talking about dynasty because I love the game of dynasty. Um, and I, honestly, I came up with my process, the process that Mike and I are so eerily similar on. We got our process both from listening to creators and consuming their content. So consuming dynasty content, binging it all over the place. We ended up listening to a lot of the same creators informing a process that whatever fucked up way we got there was almost the same thing. And that's how we ended up starting this journey of South Harmon, which was supposed to be a joke. It was not even supposed to be a podcast, whichever even aired on a Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. The process that I have, the process I believe that Mike has, it's essentially utilizing certain things that we felt like were incredible by other creators that we learned from them And then we put that into practice as a part of our process, not the entirety of our process, right? I think that part is key to highlight and think about because ultimately, no matter who you consume content from or you're listening to, whatever he, she, whatever you're putting in your ears and listening to, whatever you're consuming, the things you do or do not do, it needs to be done with your total process in mind. I think that part is big and just think about that. Whatever you do that you've done that's coming from consuming content, you need to make sure it's in line and you're thinking about, is this making sense for my process? So for example, if someone tells you, yes, I would make this trade, okay? Unless it's a hundred percent clear and obvious smash, which at that point, why are you asking? Just, just hit the damn button. But unless it's a hundred percent clear and obvious, the person that's answering the question you're posing is going to give you an answer based on their process and having their process in mind, right? So that creator is going to answer the question that you pose to them with their process in mind, not just on a one trade scale. They're going to think about how they play the game when they give you their answer. Now, the reason I want to highlight that, and I want you to think about that is I don't really care who you're listening to. It doesn't matter how big of a following new of a following, little of a following they have, you know, Scott Connor, Jordan McNamara, Nate Liss, Mike or myself, Eric, any person out there, if you do just one trade, but don't actually implement their whole process afterwards, it's unlikely it's really going to be that beneficial for you, right? If you just do one trade and stop and don't implement their process, 
Now it's just the merit of one single trade. I mean, even if the process is correct, you, you, whatever you want to say about the process, on one single trade, anything's liable to happen in variance. That's the reality of it. So if you're just going to take a question to a creator and you're not going to think really about your process afterwards and especially what their process is afterwards, and are you going to implement their process? It's just one trade that now you're liable to get right or wrong by maybe a little better than a coin flip. The reason I pose all that is I think it's really important. It's critical for this offseason for me and I think for people that listen to this podcast people that want to improve in the game of dynasty think about this how do i play the game right one of the things i think that i've by doing this process and acknowledging and thinking and learning from the failures i had this year i was able to see how i play the game at a really clear lens and highlight those things and how i can actually move forward implementing all the things i've learned from other creators some of the creators i'm still working with some of the creators i've worked with in the past some things they do that are much better than I would do myself. I'm able to take from them and learn from them, but what is my process? How do I play the game for yourself? How do you play the game of dynasty? Now, when I say that, I'm not, I'm by no means telling you to, I'm not trying to discount advice or strategies you get out there. I'm a hundred percent telling you, you should implement these strategies and advice from creators. I mean, there is a ton of people in the dynasty space today that really have brilliant strategies. They're brilliant minds in dynasty. So I'm actually saying to make sure you're utilizing those things, but before you do it, just strongly examine this said strategy or this piece of advice. How does it complement the way that you play and approach the game? If it's a great fit, obviously that's easy enough. Now I have two challenges for you. Okay. So, uh, one's on the consumption end of content and then another is on the dynasty lens as you are as a player. Okay. So the first one, like, let's say it's not a great fit. Okay. So on the content consumption, if it's not a great fit, my first challenge to you is to critically think about why doesn't this go well with my process? Like, what is my process? And then why does this piece of advice or this specific strategy, why does it not go well with my, my process? Where is it contradictory or where would it become? Why would it become an issue? Like sometimes it's fine to leave it at that. Like it's just, these don't go well together. It's not going to mesh well. And then at that point, you just got to strongly consider, does this strategy make sense to implement right now or does it not? Maybe it's something you don't do. Other times I think it's going to be important as I talk about your weaknesses and understanding them. Maybe there's something here where you can get outside of your comfort zone and you can implement this strategy, not just right now, but further and work on an area which you can improve and make yourself a better dynasty player. Like how can you innovate yourself? How can you turn yourself into a better dynasty player by just thinking out these things? Does this strategy or this trade advice that I'm being given, does it actually go well with the way I'm going to continue to play and manage my team? At the end of the day, it, that question and that creator is not managing your team. You're responsible for your team. So just think about it from that lens. Does it go well? with the way that I play. Now, the second challenge, whether you were highly successful, moderately successful, uh, it was just a down year for you, or you fell flat on your face, you, you completely fucked up 23. My next challenge for you is to go back and find weaknesses in your game, or at a minimum, find a single weakness in your dynasty game. Something you don't think is a strong suit for yourself. I'm not asking you to say something you're terrible at even, but like, Maybe it is your terrible. Maybe it's just something you're not that good at. Maybe it's something that you've kind of avoided. Go back and find a weakness, something you can improve on and you can strengthen in your dynasty game moving forward. At a minimum, get one. I think there's probably an opportunity for you to find multiple uh, things, but go back and find that because I think here's the thing. It's crucial, in my opinion, to be able to be honest about that with yourself identifying that weakness is the first thing, right? Making sure that you're able to be clearly honest with yourself about the way you play the game, what your weakness is. But the second part here, I think is the most critical because go back to the beginning of the podcast. And I talk about how, you know, anyone you've looked up to any person that you've given, you know, credence to, you think is awesome. They're excellent at whatever their talent is or their craft is. Go back and think about that and understand in order for them to get there, they sucked at it be, at the beginning. They failed over and over and over again. And on, upon failing, built themselves into somebody that excels 
tremendously in a specific category, whatever that may be. Now, again, with that in mind, think from a broader view now, okay? Think about it more so in just people, mankind as a whole. Think about how much we have drastically improved as people, how much we've evolved. Think about the world that we have today versus 50 years ago, versus 100 years ago. Literally, I'm talking to you right now in a microphone at my house on my on, on a chair here that you're listening to through a podcast feed. I, 20, hell, 20 years ago, you couldn't, did, none of this existed. The way that most people played fantasy 20, 25 years ago, it's on paper. Someone had to go through and hand count all that stuff. The reason I bring all this up is if you are somebody that currently is doing really well in the game, okay, you're playing very good. You have a lot of success across your leagues. If you think right now that you don't have a weakness, that's probably a problem in and of itself, okay? Or something that you don't think you can at least try to improve on, that is problematic. But if you think about it from the lens I just gave you, this game, Dynasty, is relatively new, right? The, the bulk of people playing the game are relatively new. The way in which the game is played today, there's so many different strategies that are just starting to hit the last year or two. Think about how the game is going to continue. That pole, that mark is going to continue to move. So if you think you don't have anything to improve on, you don't have any weaknesses, maybe that's the case currently. But eventually, people are going to counter what you think is a strong suit of yours, and they're going to hit you upside the fucking head. The, the game is going to change while you're not addressing and improving and willing to look at things about yourself. Because the game is going to change and evolve and continue to do that. If, if you want to push the limits, I believe, and improve to an entirely different height than you've been a part of in the game, you've got to address the things that you're not good at. Think about just for us in South Harmon, some of the stuff we talked about. Like, best ball as a whole is pretty new. We started really implementing the, the teardown strategy. That's the teardown king. Mike's not on the podcast, but the teardown king really put the teardown in best ball on the map. It has become, in best ball leagues, one of the more implemented strategies. Credence to Mike. Let's talk about Koopa. Koopa has built an awesome warp tool. That was the first warp, warp tool in the game. This year, you're looking at all different type of copycat type warp calculators, right? Some call it war. Some just have a free version. Whatever it may be, warp has already become a big part of the dynasty game. Now, not everybody util utilizes it, but it's going to only continue to grow, which means what? What is the next thing that's going to come? How does the game evolve this offseason? Going into 24, think about that. Not just how the game is going to change or evolve. What, what can you do to evolve and innovate your process. So if you did have a great year, one of the ways you are likely to continue to repeat that success is by starting to recognize weaknesses or areas which you have failed or little things that you can improve on at least. Like this doesn't mean go away from what you do well. I'm not telling you to stop doing your strengths, but it's becoming more well-rounded, right? It's becoming a more well-rounded dynasty player because those most likely to repeat their success in anything is going to be those that are having the strongest ability to adapt. Now, if you were like me and you fell short of expectations, well, let's not even say you're as bad as me. Let's say you're half as bad as me. You, you won a handful of leagues, but you fell short of your expectations. You think you failed this year. Is your situation to do better next year is going to be your ability to bounce back. Now, quickly, I want to circle back to, you know, that point I was talking about with the college basketball and kind of round out that point because I think it's a big thing to think about moving forward with the way you approach your process and dynasty. And honestly, you could probably apply this to life in general too. So I told you, coach sent me home with that packet of strengths and weaknesses, ways I could work on my strengths, improve those to keep those sharp. And also in particular, the things that I was not strong suited at and needed to put work in to make those at least solid so that they weren't detrimental, they weren't actually a weakness, or better yet, if I can continue to develop, make them and turn them into a strong suit. But me, you know, 19, didn't think 
just thought coach was being a hater. So I go home that, that summer and don't really work at all on the weaknesses. I don't think there are weaknesses. Whether I think they're strengths or weaknesses, truthfully is irrelevant. This is my game. This isn't his game. This is my game, something I've been working on my craft for as, as long as I can remember. The only person I'm doing a disservice to was myself. I don't improve my game, right? I don't work on those things that were weaknesses. And I come back very much the same player as I was when I left. Everybody else, for the most part, is out there working on things that they both are good at and are not good at to try to improve and become better players next year. Now, as I come back to school that fall, the situation had changed drastically, unbeknownst to me. It was pretty evident that the head coach and myself were not on the same page very often. And oftentimes, the assistant coach who did recruit me, and I did have a very good rapport with, did a great job in mediating the head coach and myself in certain situations where we were not on the same page. This may look like myself not making a play or being a detriment on the defensive end, which I may not have seen clear as day. And all I hear is, shit, son, fucking soft. Sucky, go get him. When I would come sit down, I think Sancom just wants me to have a seat. Assistant coach says, Adam, you didn't get over on help side or because you were late getting over on help, Jay Semp or somebody else had to move over, which caused an open shot in the corner. Those type of simple mistakes or you know brain farts, they can't happen. Otherwise, you're going to have a seat over here. Him giving the clear reasoning that while I may not like it, coming from him meant a lot more. And he helped open my eyes to that or vice versa. Maybe there was a situation where we needed to find better scoring or better situation on offense than what was currently out there because maybe we had a guy in foul trouble somebody's on the bench, he would have to go, hey, coach, we got to put Adam in. Right now he's been sitting for X amount of minutes, whatever the case may be. Those type of mediations to help bridge the gap between our lack of communication, right? Our lack of being on the same page, I should say. When you think about that now, going into the offseason, I didn't, I wasn't out here working on any of those weaknesses. We both didn't have very much trust in each other, the head coach and myself. But the assistant coach, and I, like I said, did have good rapport. He helped mediate those situations. Now, in the offseason, when the things change, part of that was my assistant coach hooks up with my girlfriend. I mean, I guess you could say he mediated that situation too. <laughs> but my trust now, after that takes place, with the coaching staff, all of them pretty much completely eroded. Didn't trust any of the coaches, didn't trust that we were on the same page. Now, my own doing, my lack of improving on the weaknesses that they clearly spelled out for me my basically negligence of those things all off season, not improving on them at all also helped erode the fact that they didn't trust me. They didn't think that I was willing to do the things that would help the team that wouldn't be just in my best interest. You can see how that from their side was the case. So our trust completely eroded went from being a starter sophomore year to coming off the bench to having a terrible season as a whole, both for the team and myself. Not a good year. Obviously, that bad of a season is going to result in transferring, right? So I transfer. I leave Wheeling Jesuit to go to Lees McRae in North Carolina. That school, the year prior in basketball, had won two games. Two games. So a bad situation, whether it was talent or culture. When I get there, I find out it's actually culture talent's pretty good relative to a team with two wins but the entirety of everything changes so i'm a transfer i don't know anybody here i'm hours and hours away from home don't have a car that transfer early on was already rough then i get to find out what bad culture looks like a lot of things in this transfer were not ideal and throughout this season we did not have a good year right it was a up and down year as far as coach switching lineups minutes no continuity whatsoever. You can see where the culture was bad. Players' roles weren't defined. There was all kinds of problems. We only win three games. So we go from two wins to three wins that season. Now, as the season transpires, more of a clear defined group of core players that were best fits kind of ended up being the case at the end of the year and was going to be the core group of players going into senior season. We were in a position to start changing some of the losing ways that were going on at Lee's McRae. They were so used to this losing mentality. We had the core group of players formed to really win some games. 
Now, right before the season starts, one of my best friends on the team and one of our key players, a starter, going to make an impact for this team, my guy Steve decides to go ahead and have another issue with his grades. It was not the first time. And he gets sent home for the rest of the school year. Forget the basketball season. That was it for him. The whole school year, his whole senior year, done. So now we're down one of our key players before the season starts. Even though we did start 3-1, and one, and we did beat one of the best teams in the conference, we end up finishing far worse than we should have. We win six games, which obviously that is double the three. But felt like we left a lot of meat on the bone. Now, I did have a very good year that year. I started from start to finish. Um, was the first player to make all-conference Carolinas in five years. So while there were some good things that transpired that senior year, the competitor in me, I always would look back on that and see like what we left, like what was left on the table, right? We had a chance to be so much better than we were. Uh, and individually, while I did get to showcase some things, I would always think to myself, man, like what could have happened if from the beginning, like if DeFrugio didn't go to the Pacers? Like what if I had a coach that he and I got along and who actually wanted me to be a part of the team? What could my career have looked like? What could that team have done in a different situation? Like what could that career have looked like? And what could those memories when team building experiences been? So I would always look back on that and what could have been as a competitor. And I think that's normal for competitors to do. Now, while that may have led to me having a better overall career, maybe would have played for a team that had more wins, uh, stronger nucleus of guys, better friendships, whatever the case may have been, maybe a tournament appearance. None of that would have prepared me for the rest of my life as well. Essentially, as time goes on and you're able to look back on it, and not be as close to it. And you think about all the shit you went through, right? Whatever that was like for you. I know you could probably give a fuck about my college basketball little D2 career. I'm trying to use it as, a, as an example, real life example, but I know you don't probably care about it. Point that I'm making here is when you think about the shit that you went through, you know, South Harmon, shit. When you look back on the shit you went through, for me, it was those trials and tribulations and the failures that I can look back on and say, okay, this actually prepared me a lot better for life. This was the failure that helped me become resilient, that I went through things that made me more resilient. Going the other way where it's, you know, I played for some some team where the coach wanted me from the beginning and I have a great career and all that. It's all rosy and upside, but I wasn't prepped for the rest of my life the same way I was if I go through this shit, right? And I think the reason I'm bringing all this up is think about it now in the dynasty lens. If I don't have this season happen, let's say, for example, that I end up winning four leagues this year. If I, if I end up winning these four leagues, there is a process that I'm messing up. There are some things happening that are under the covers that I don't get to see. I, I don't take as close of a look and say, man, I, I messed up in these leagues. Why did this happen? Because I don't take as close of a look, I'm sitting here going into next year, no better off, and didn't really learn some key things about my process and my game that I need to change and implement going into the 24 season. Right? If Let's say I just went in four of the, these leagues or three of these leagues, and then I can push it off to variance and essentially tuck this stuff under the rug, I'm in a much worse position, even though right now I feel a lot better about it. And I think that's the lens that you got to try to look at things through. Just because I failed right now, why is it a bad thing? Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe there's some things that you've repeated over and over. Maybe some things that you should have been working on, that you should have seen coming, that you've already went through before. But maybe there's some things this season that you can look back on and find in your failure that you can absolutely use to your advantage next year. Some things that you can change and improve in your process. That is kind of the point that I'm making here is whether you're in a position of success or a position of having a down year, taking a look, a serious look at last year and the year prior, reflecting and figuring out where you failed and becoming better because of that, that is where you can optimize and make the failure a success. Transparent failure. Now, you don't have to come and put a podcast out and be transparent about your failure to the world. You don't have to put it out there for anyone that wants to dissect it and make it up however they want to hear it. All you have to do is really be transparent with yourself about your failure. Again, I'm going to reiterate the challenges before we leave here. When you consume content, make sure you understand and know how you play the game. Make sure you understand your process. How does this piece of content, how does this trade advice, whatever it is, how does it blend with 
the process that you have? Is it going to go hand in hand? Is it a great fit? Is it going to clash? Is it something you should implement if you're not going to see the process all the way through? Understanding the way you play the game, being true to that and be willing to improve upon that, which gets into point two. Second challenge. Find a weakness. Find a place of failure for yourself. Find something that you are not good at or you see that you can drastically improve. Work on that this offseason. What does that look like? How is this piece of the game that I don't implement or utilize well or I tend to ignore, how can I take this and improve on it? Make myself a better dynasty manager going into 2024 and take the first step in becoming highly detailed. Thank you.